0: This is why we watch sports. To see the son of immigrants born in Athens, paint a unique masterpiece on the biggest stage and become a legend in Milwaukee. To see the satisfaction, relief, and brotherly love all represented on Giannis Antetokounmpo's face as he basked in the glory of a four straight win and a first of what could be many NBA titles. To see the process from taking lumps and L's too early and dealing with the subsequent doubt. And the disrespect to planting a flag in bedrock at basketball summit, to fall in love with a player who, despite otherworldly talent, was relegated to the periphery of public consciousness as the rich only seemed to get richer. Antetokounmpo climbed that mountain and into millions of hearts on the heels of a seemingly horrific injury, rebounding with pure physical dominance and steadfast mental resilience. When the sun burned away the mist from that peak, it revealed as good a finals performance as ever performed. In six games, he averaged 35.2 points, 13.2 rebounds, and five blocks even. In the series clincher, he posted a perfect 50 to go with 14 rebounds and five rejections. As astounding as his offensive clinic was, his defense may have been even more important. And for neutral observers, he created a nest of pure joy. A wholesome place, easy to bask in another's accomplishment. So many went from having no skin in the game to wanting to crawl through glass just to see him wear the crown after holding court. We watch sports to see something we've never seen before. And Giannis is a true unicorn at a time when the term is overused. Deep down, we weren't sure his brand of ball could work if he had that certain it factor. He made it his personal mission to prove beyond the shadow of a doubt that we've only begun to see a portion of his freakishness. Conversation is afoot that this is his league now, that he usurped the number one position from LeBron James after a decade plus reign. His story has been incredible to this point and the following chapters may be even more compelling. We watch sports to find players worth rooting for through thick and thin to find those who are spellbinding on the field of play and centered off of it. Giannis checks all the boxes. When it mattered most, he turned his biggest weakness, free throw shooting, into a strength. Each and every time he went to the line Tuesday night was an opportunity for the demons to creep in, to remember that he shouldn't be able to do this. And 17 of 19 times he turned that noise off by finding the bottom of the bucket. His body and mind worked as one together to create string music. These are the moments and players we live to follow. Giannis's arc is the one we desperately wish to see, and it delights the better angels of our nature. That smile creeping across his face was contagious, and we should thank him for allowing us the secondary joy, because if it wasn't painfully obvious before, this is the good stuff. Welcome to the Kyle Coster Show. I'm Kyle Coster. You heard about Giannis in the intro. What a performance. Otherworldly. Um, enough has been said about him. I just wanted to hit a couple quick things not focused on the Greek freak about this series and last night. Number one, when the Suns won game one going away, before they won game two to look like they were in an unbeatable position and in a collision course with the crown. Dario Saric's injury kind of went unnoticed. Yes. People discussed it and addressed it as something that could become a larger issue down the road, but the times were good. The vibes were great and they were great after game two. So it didn't seem as though, something that happened in the early portion of this series would come back to bite them later. It seemed like it wouldn't matter. But much like anything around the house, and I'm famous for this, if I see a small problem, I often ascribe it to a problem for a future version of myself or a problem that will never get so big that it requires immediate addressing or a problem that will get so bad that it's unfixable. And that's essentially what happened with the Suns and their interior. With Saric out, there was one less option for them to go, one less body, six less fouls to use against Giannis. And DeAndre Ayton, although he was spectacular this whole postseason until the final four games, repeatedly found himself in foul trouble. And Monty Williams playing with a rotation of seven, sometimes eight people had precious little he could do to adjust. We saw Frank Kaminsky last night in desperation mode and playing pretty well. But Giannis realized that not only could no one stop him, he realized he was going to get every whistle. He took his twos. He did his Shaq impression, he got in on the bench in foul trouble, and it was basically a wrap. He took the series over by force, and he took the series over because not only were there no sons that could stop him on the court, there weren't any on the bench either. So the narrative shifts and it changes so quickly in these series and we think we know what's going to happen, but maybe this is an example of us not even knowing what has happened. Whereas arguably the most important moment of the entire series came out of the gate in game one with Sarge's injury and Giannis looking healthy enough to play and dominate on the media side of things. This morning, ESPN announced that they have mutually parted ways with Maria Taylor, ending a long saga, coming to the destination it was always destined for. This was an untenable situation. I give both parties credit for getting it to this point where something could look amicable, where it didn't turn into a larger fiasco than it seemed to be going towards, but all this moving and shaking and depth chart adjusting on ESPN's behalf kind of worked to their benefit when it came time for the trophy presentation. Malika Andrews who joined ESPN.com in 2018 to cover the bulls and the bucks as a reporter was there to give out the Larry O'Brien. At 26 years old, she was the picture of poise, confidence, and handled the assignment like a true pro it's a remarkable rise and she's worked hard for it and her talent has been immediately evident to anybody who cares enough to pay attention we gave her the newcomer of the year award for our tbl honors last year and it was an easy call her work in the bubble was fantastic it elevated her it put her in the position to be giving out the hardware. And like I am for Giannis, I'm happy for her for a job well done. Coming up after these words, my interview with Andy Isaac. Tame yourself with help from our friends at Manscaped, the leaders, and below the waist grooming. Their fourth generation performance package includes the brand new Lawnmower 4.0. If an athlete treats their body like royalty, why not treat yours like Olympic gold as well? Fellas, do right by yourself and all your parts and join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with the code FANSIDED20. That's FANSIDED20. The Lawnmower 4.0, it has that 7,000 RPM motor, a new multifunction on-off switch, which can engage a travel lock, and it gives you the ability to turn the 4,000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. Did I mention that this trimmer is waterproof too? Michael Phelps is drooling just thinking about the possibilities. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. Achieve pubic glory this year with Manscaped. It's... Rare that we have the opportunity to talk when there's something positive going on in Detroit sports. We've kind of been in a desert for, I did the math, six or seven years. I think I went back and looked, and this could potentially be one of the bleakest periods, at least in my lifetime. Even if you go back about six decades, always one team was doing well. We've kind of been mired in the desert. But I think I can sit here this morning and present optimistic outlooks. On three different teams, which is amazing. And I want to start with the Pistons. Okay. The number one pick, and I think that you and I are on the same page that their front office and their ownership should do themselves a favor, put their fan put put their phones in the freezer, come check them on draft night after they take
1: Cade Cunningham. So wait before we start. Detroit sports has been very bad for what did you say five to seven years but also what's weird is that the pistons actually made the playoffs in that time period it was just so ugly when they made the playoffs and nobody had any like expectation right and they they get absolutely you know they get they get drilled by the bucks um two years ago and and nobody nobody was expecting anything and it was kind of terrible and it kind of ushered in what we're what we're seeing right now with this with this first pick and honest to god i am if i see one more article about the pistons might trade the pick or houston really wants kate cunningham and the pistons really like jalen green i'm done with it like over the next week i just want to throw my phone in the trash and just focus on Cade Cunningham. I don't want to read another single rumor. It's like, it's starting to bother me. I'm starting to get like annoyed. Just get Cade Cunningham in Detroit. Just get him in a Pistons uniform and make the rest of us happy. I think the great
0: news is that the draft is so soon, right? Like, that's yeah. it's, it's a much like. D- silly season ramps up in the NFL. The Aaron Rodgers situation has been playing out for months and months. Cade, the consensus number one pick, he was the number one pick in almost all mock drafts till you got to the point where, Hey, we need to do something different. And now writers have gotten to the point where they're like, Hey, we need to write about something different. So what if they zig and what if they, or what if they zag? The good news is everything appears to be on track. He was at Comerica park posting some Instagrams. I know that he was met with a warm reception there. You're not worried at
1: all about this going sideways on us, right? No, I think, and I really think him showing up in Detroit the other day kind of cements that there is no way the Pistons can go and, and make that Jalen Green pick. It, the only pick they can make right now is Cade Cunningham because I think the fan base would absolutely revolt. I think people would flip LCA upside down if Cade wasn't the pick. He is the only person that they can that they can go in that direction. They can't trade it, nothing. Like it's Cade Cunningham or just absolute pandemonium. You're deeply invested in the Pistons and
0: LCA as it is because you are the official sausage king uh, is it just the Pistons or is also Detroit? And this is a very serious thing. You can go, you can find video of you being feted, you being recognized as the royalty that you are for a lifetime achievement. Uh, how did that all come about? Because it's a very hilarious thing. But also I was really happy for you.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think um, you're, like you kind of reflect how a lot of people felt in that like they were really happy because people thought i was genuine, like genuinely annoyed with what was going on and you know it kind of started as a joke because like you know i have season tickets and like where my season tickets are like when you, when you go up the stairs there's the sausage houses right there so it was like really convenient and i'm like wait why is this place closed all the time so it kind of like i was kind of joking around the first few pictures I took in front of you know the sausage house um was was all like it was all a joke and then it became like hey really why isn't this open and people would go to red wings games and the sausage house was open for the red wings games so then i was like are they doing like are they doing is this a personal thing like because i was complaining so much about it online, I'm like, are, are the Pistons trying to like make me angry? I mean, I realized it was more of a contractual thing, right? Like not as many people were going to the Pistons game, so they couldn't open, you know, certain concession stands. So then it was like a joke. And then, you know, the Pistons kind of got in on the joke and it ended up like, you know, how many like these types of things have happy endings? And I want to say this was as happy an ending as you could have right? Like the Pistons kind of like leaned into it and they're like, we're going to make this a good like PR story for us. And so, yeah, I'm absolutely invested. I've self-appointed, you know, I'm self-appointed sausage king of Detroit, but in terms of like LCA, I am the king of sausage at LCA and I'm going to take that as far as I can.
0: As you absolutely should. I mean, we Look, we can joke around, and I can bust chops all that I want, and, and I will, and I'll mostly do that offline, but I was thinking about it today, and quite honestly, you might be one of the 10 most famous Detroit sports fans in the world, at least in terms of like having a following, of being connected to the teams, and kind of serving as this avatar I think on one hand, it's kind of, it's amazing that it happened, but also it's kind of awesome. Have you really like thought about this critically
1: and then like really like contextualize what that means? Um, I'm trying to think like what, so when I was a kid, like the famous fans were the ones at the Lions games, right? Like those guys that would dress up, especially like for those Thanksgiving games. And then you had, I mean, this is really deep into Detroit sports, but then you had the brow um, from Red Wings games I don't know if you remember that guy that used to dress up like in a suit so I, I, I until like right now I never thought of myself as anything other than a like you know kind of like a local celebrity fan but when you put it in the worldwide perspective it's kind of uh it's kind of jarring <laughs> it's kind of jarring to hear that but I guess so it's I, I think my face is just plastered everywhere now like I am not afraid to put my face on video, like whether it's with eating or like with other fans. So yeah, I guess I have a recognizable um, face and I'm okay with it. A lot of people probably wouldn't be okay with it. You know, a lot of fans like to keep themselves uh, anonymous and I don't really care. I like it. I have to imagine
0: that that's been an almost universally positive experience for you though, in terms of like expanding your community and deepening your ties to the team because I would imagine you feel more connected to the average fan because they're interacting with you kind of getting your temperature on the state of play for all the teams.
1: Yeah. I, I will say like, like 95% of the interactions I have with fans are like really good. And I, I've always preached like being kind to people, both like online and like offline. And I think that kind of carries into like the interactions I have um, with fans, that people are like, like they they they're so nice to me, and they're like overly kind, and like like hey, can you take a picture with me? Like whatever it it's just it's a really positive experience, and it's odd because you know there are so many people who have bad online experiences, and it kind of carries over into like whatever happens, you know, when they see these people in like a real life um, scenario. So um, yeah, I think I've been lucky, but also I think my method of like, you know, preaching kindness and like warmth and being nice to people carries over into like the, the real world. And I, I really like that. Anyone who has followed
0: you at World of Isaac has seen that you're trying to make those inroads with new Detroit Lions coach, Dan Campbell. Yeah, I think I share your optimism about him for one reason and one reason alone. I think in order to cure this horrible franchise, you need to have some organizational knowledge. You need to know what the stink is. You need to know what it means to suffer. I think that was the biggest problem with Patricia when he came into Detroit and he decided we're going to make this like the Patriots. Well, you just don't know what we've been through. Dan Campbell seems like a salt of the earth guy. You're trying to get your nose in there. And I really appreciate the hustle. And I kind of want to ask, I want in two. I want to be one of the few that believed in this guy. And I want to be there when he's winning playoff games. Do you think in five years, you and I are going to be popping bottles at a Super Bowl talking about, thank God this guy came to town?
1: Yeah, so I think to talk about Dan Campbell, you have to talk about what happened before Dan Campbell. And that was Matt Patricia, who, you know we'll talk about it from like the outside from like what we hear from, you know, like the media and like players. He, he came in and he kind of like beat his chest a lot. And he was like, kind of like this alpha male and it didn't sit right with a lot of the employees that work there. And it didn't sit right with a lot of the players. And I think it was definitely reflected in, you know, like after he left, no one really went to bat for him. You might, you might've heard like you know, maybe a Trey Flowers who had played with him, you know, played for him uh, before, but like nobody was like, Matt Patricia is my guy. Whereas like right now, so you, now you have Dan Campbell and you've kind of flipped things upside down. You have this person who is really compassionate and people really love him. That is like the the. thing that I've gotten most in talking to like some of the players and some of the media is that people really like Dan Campbell as a human being. And sure, like that might not help for like the head coaching responsibilities, like, you know, from kind of like a day-to-day X's and O's type thing, but he surrounds himself with people who really want to work for him. And I think in the end, when you're creating some kind of like management structure, that's like really important. Um, I don't know about like I, I really like Dan Campbell like as a person. I don't know about his like coaching, and I don't know if anybody does right now. Like, you know, he had the short stint in, in 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 Miami, and I honestly don't remember it all that well. So I think this first season is going to be trying because I don't think they have the personnel um in place to really compete. But I really do think, you know, three, four, five years down the line. We could be talking about the Lions, especially, you know, it kind of looks like Green Bay is is headed in a in a weird direction right now. This could be an opportunity for the Lions to finally build something and build something that lasts more than like a year or two. Okay,
0: well, let's stay positive, because I feel like you and I have kind of made long careers without being too negative which i think we should pat ourselves on the back for you said that we uh we are ancient and we're old uh we actually kind of tried to do it in a way that uh wasn't snarky and sarcastic all the time at a time when um you know that was almost impossible so we
1: survived to this point we survived we survived that portion of and i mean you know i think we both know that kind of internet still, you know, is still pretty prevalent and, you know, still moves the needle. I just don't think from a personal perspective, it's something that I want to like get into, right? Like nobody wants to do that. No, it's, it's, it's been a wise choice. Uh, And another
0: wise choice is the manager the Tigers have who I could not be more excited about. AJ Hinch, I tweeted The other day, maybe a bit prematurely, but I was feeling good. I tweeted two things. Number one, I think that this might go down as one of the five most enjoyable Detroit Tigers seasons of my fandom dating back to like 1987. Mm -hmm. Uh, That is even though they're probably going to finish 10 to 14 games under 500, whatever it might be. But I also think that they have a manager in Hinch that if you gave me the piece of paper right now and said, this guy can be in town for the next 20 years, I'd sign it, no questions asked. I love the way that he has gotten this team that doesn't have a lot of talent to play hard. And the way that he teaches the little things like going the other way, putting the ball in play, his tact with pitching, all this stuff is so evident if you watch the game and notice the improvement and confidence they're playing with that it
1: really makes me think that this guy can just coach baseball. I hope, and I saw your tweet about the Tigers being like a really, having like a really enjoyable season. I hope to God they can keep Um, AJ Hinch forever. I take him until he turns 75 years old. Like he has made such a difference. If you look at the Tigers from, I I can't remember the exact date. Someone, it was sometime in May, maybe like mid-May to right now they're playing like well above 500. And like, more importantly, the fans are actually enjoying the team, right? So this kind of happened with the Pistons to a lesser extent, because Pistons were losing a lot more um, this past season, but the fans were really enjoying it. Like the fans were like, let's play the young guys. You know, once they got rid of Blake Griffin and, and Derek Rose, you know, they started playing all these young guys and the fans were like really excited. So it was a very, it was a very enjoyable season despite them not being very good. Whereas the Tigers are playing enjoyable baseball. And to be honest, they're kind of, they're kind of good. I've like vacillated, you know, like, and and said, oh, you know, they might be good for like a small stretch or like, you know, they still have a lot of holes. And I think that's definitely the case, but they're still, they're kind of good and they're fun to watch. Like, you know, I was there Saturday, you know, filming this, um, filming this episode. And like, I didn't get to watch most of the game but I could hear what was going on. And sometimes the noise from a baseball game tells you everything you need to know. And it was so loud and people were like so happy to be there. And I haven't felt that since, you know, 2012, like back when the Tigers were actually competing with, you know, Verlander and Scherzer and, and, you know, like when Miggy was actually a functional like baseball player and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I really think you know, between the Tigers and, you know, you brought it up at the beginning, between the Tigers and, and the Pistons and probably like the Lions right now, I think there's a lot of optimism. It's the Red Wings, everyone has a question about, but the Red Wings also have arguably the most successful GM and probably the most successful, like, you know, he's had, you know, Steve Eiserman has had success at the Olympic level. He's had success as a player. So it's weird that we're leaving the Red Wings out of this Detroit sports renaissance when they have probably the smartest and, you know, most successful GM at the helm. You're absolutely right. And I think it's just, you look at, I mean,
0: Dwayne Casey is fine. He's not like this cult of personality he even wasn't when he won an NBA championship yeah. it wasn't about him but you kind of have the other three that I feel like is going to they're all going to gain kind of like a zealot like following uh if they win I think it's going to be really fun to be a Detroit sports fan uh in five years three years something
1: around no, the- I, I honestly think I mean right now if we're talking about like right now the Pistons are really exciting like we're getting, the Pistons are about to pick number one, you know, this coming season is going to be as exciting as they've had since, you know, maybe late 2000, you know, like 2007, 2008, whatever, like around that time, like you're, you have just a core group of like young players. I think they're very exciting. I think the Tigers are very exciting. The Lions, I mean, they're not going to be good. Let's, let's like, let's be honest here. If the Lions win, seven games that would be a huge accomplishment and so I don't know how they fit in but you know three years down the line I think they will be very good and I think the I honestly I honestly think the Red Wings will probably be good in in three four years so yeah I think all teams will be firing like from the optimistic Isaac standpoint three four years down the line we're looking at four four you know teams in Detroit that are doing like really really well We'll probably a vi- probably a championship or two. We'll
0: revisit th- we'll revisit this in a few years, and we'll probably look so silly. Mm, uh, I wanna-
1: I've looked pretty silly. I've looked pretty silly recently and in the past with my optimism. So I'm okay. i would rather be optimistic and wrong than just be depressing and just like pessimistic all the time. I
0: think. Outside of the Bofa and D's nuts, which mm. are fantastic bits, I think the thing that you're most known for is creating Fatterday. And that was kind of like a precursor to your new show called Isaac Eats on Woodward Sports. What can you tell me about the project and what made you kind of want to expand from doing videos on social media to kind of having like an established show, which from what I can tell, filming at Comerica over the weekend, you're maybe going to have a little more of a conversation with the audience.
1: Yeah. So I think, I think the Comerica episode is going to be probably a little different than most. Like my idea behind it was I want to go out and like visit places maybe that people didn't know in Detroit or like weren't familiar with and kind of like show them, Hey, there there are good spots to eat in Detroit. Detroit is a really good food town so I wanted to take like my idea of like fatter day and kind of like give it a bigger audience so Woodward Sports came in like and they're giving me the resources to do that because to be honest to to do those kinds of things by yourself is really difficult and it's really time consuming and like when you have a full-time job already. And like, I have so many other things going on. It was just like, it wasn't something I was able to do by myself, but like with Woodward Sports and with their backing and with their support, I'm able to, to take this idea and I, I really think it's going to work. Um, I have like a, you know, there are a lot of people in Detroit that kind of like what I do and enjoy that I can tell them about places in Detroit they, they might not know about. So yeah, that's definitely the goal. I, I, the The first episode was was a little different in that I wanted to talk to a lot of people at the Tigers game. But you know, going forward, I'm gonna I'll be going to spots in Detroit that you know some people might be familiar with, some people might not be familiar with. But it'll give good exposure to a lot of places that might not otherwise get it. Um, so yeah, I think that's I think that's cool. And I, I think Isaac eats is you know I played around with the with the title um, for a while and. I wanted to keep it, I, I, I originally wanted to keep it very Detroit based, but I know eventually I'll need to go out of Detroit, you know, like if I want to make this, you know, kind of like a bigger deal. So Isaac Eats um, made sense and it kind of tied back into like Saturday and a lot of the stuff I do there. What do you find
0: most rewarding about doing stuff like that? Is you, is it like being able to try new things? Is it being able to like spotlight a place that you like and, and share that experience with others? What, what is particularly fulfilling
1: about what you do? I mean, I'm only like, obviously I'm only the one episode in, but for me, it's going to be highlighting a lot of places that I'm familiar with that other people might not be familiar with. And I really think that's, that's important because, you know, I'll, I'll give you an example of this, this second episode I'm filming uh, that I'm filming is on um, Sunday um, Freddie the Pizza Man, and I'm sure there you you probably have some viewers who are familiar with Freddie. But Freddie was this like local, you know, kind of he had like a small owned shop, and it's just him. And you know, for a long time, you know, it, that was his thing, and like he made like great pizza. And then obviously, you know, Dave Portnoy goes there, reviews the pizza, and you know, Freddie blows up, and now everyone knows like who Freddie is, and you know, he's getting a lot more business. And I. I'm like really happy for him. He's a he's a really good human being. I, I'm sure there are people who know, um, kind of like what he does, like on, on like the philanthropy uh, side, like with with autism and stuff. But like people like Freddie are the are the people that I really want to like highlight in Detroit. Like the food stuff, sure, man. Like I've I've been experimenting and eating different kinds of food for a, a long time, and I I do think Detroit has a rich history of like great cultural and great ethnic um food and that's the the kind of stuff that i want to highlight so this is kind of weird because i spent the beginning of
0: this interview talking about how we were friends i was actually your publicist said that you have a hard out uh so why don't you tell the people where they where well, they i have a publicist
1: you. or is it just me in another voice or something
0: uh, i don't know i mean don't give away your secrets
1: <laughs> no no it's okay keep going man yeah i mean like we, we should talk about how long we we've, we've known each other i mean like this, this goes back a long way. And, you know, people in digital media switch jobs a lot. There's a lot of turnover and, you know, like you kind of lose, um, you lose touch with a lot of people, but you and I have, you know, we've known each other since at least 2009, I want to say. And, you know, we used to work at the same company and, you know, our companies went separate ways and you found a new job. So like the fact that like, you know, we're still kind of close and, you know, we're still boys, um, I think says a lot about both of us. to be honest
0: with you. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, that's look, I mean, in all seriousness, that's kind of the best part of the job is is forging these relationships uh, that are personal, but also, you know, professionally, you want to see people succeed. You're happy when they do. And, you know, just like, you know, it's no small thing like me, much like, I'm sure so many people who are Detroit's fan who are Detroit fans or otherwise, like, if they can get a little giggle or like enjoyment out of like a tweet you send every three days, like, like a tweet, you send every third, three days, like that's something it's not nothing. And I think it's just like staying in someone's life, like at that level to be like, Hey, I hope they're having a good time. Or they, I, I trust this person's opinion on something or I'm happy that the Lions won because this, this guy was at the game and this gal was at the game. Like that's,
1: that's kind of what it's all about. Yeah. I, um... um, I actually met a follower of mine who he might have been like the oldest follower I had. So in 2006, I started a blog and it was called World of Isaac. And it was just kind of just like a small like Detroit sports blog. So I had like, you know, a handful of followers. This 2006 was kind of like pre before like, you know, digital media blew up. And, you know, like we had like the dead spins and and the big leads. We had these like, so it's like right at the infancy of like the explosion. So I met somebody, you know, that kind of knew me from from way back when, and it was like, it was weird. He was talking about stuff that I had like originally blogged from like 2007, he was talking about like, hey, I remember your original like cancer diagnosis and you know, like how I talked about that. So that was really, um, I don't know, that like really hit me like hard to like know that there were people that cared about me and had been following me that's like 15 years ago. It's a really long time and I don't know, I like I said, I I, I feel like I build these per- personal relationships a lot of times with people that I don't see and then I end up seeing them and it's it's just a it's a good positive experience and I wish there were more people on the internet who had and were positive and had positive experiences. I hear you
0: that's, that's my thing.
1: Kumbaya um, like speech. and I really wish because I think both of us know, we, we work in a, in a space that can be super negative and it makes for, I don't know, it makes for like really miserable human beings. And I hate it and I hate that aspect of it. And I try to stay away from it as much as possible. And I think you do too. And I think that's why we're both kind of happy people.
0: Yeah, I, <laughs> I agree. I mean, that's that's kind of the secret. You can't, uh, can't go to work every single day looking for a reason to get mad. Uh, yeah. that, has, that has diminishing returns. Where can we catch the show? How often are you going to be releasing
1: it? And what's all the information that people need? So Isaac Eats is going to film once a week. And I think our goal is to release the episodes um, on Wednesday. Uh, It'll be on Woodward Sports YouTube, their Facebook. It'll be on a lot of their social channels. I'll also be sharing it on my social channels. I definitely want to give a shout out to Woodward Sports for, for kind of giving me that opportunity and, you know, for, for giving me the space to, to create and, you know, for giving me like the people that can help me create, like, you know, they gave me a cameraman and like, you know, I'm working with a lot of people who are just very gracious with their time. And I really think this is going to, um, going to propel me into a different uh, place. And I think it's going to propel Woodward Sports, which I have a lot of um, faith in because I, I do think there's a place for a Woodward Sports in the Detroit you know sports environment from a fan standpoint and I think their goal is to you know be like the the home of the Detroit fan so that's so I'm going to I'm going to help them get there and they're going to help me uh, get to a place and it's all going to be happy man
0: awesome well you know I'm rooting for you and I'm looking forward to checking it out so thanks for joining me
1: thank you my friend and it's good talking to you much love brother miss you let's let's get together soon